All right. Cedric Turlin Beggins, Facebook, YouTube. Thanks for tuning Instagram. in. Instagram. We are on Instagram. We will be. Anchor, podcast. Anchor. Anchor. We got a podcast going. We are everywhere. Jeff Beggins. Craig Beggins. Mike Puma. And we are here for podcast number a lot. lot. (laughs) I've lost count. 14, we're being told. So here's where the topic for today is kind of fun. And it is a... We're going to secrets of the brokerage business. The top secrets of the brokerage business. Here's the issue, though. And it's kind of an interesting question. How do you... Now, this is for you thinking about selling your home today. That's our focus from a consumer perspective. How do you sell your home for top dollar? How do you avoid leaving money on the table? And how do you make sure that you sell your home for top dollar? So that's what we're going to chat about today. And just for a reminder, we've got 26 years of experience doing this. We've got about 55,000 transactions. We've got 12 billion in sales now. And the company's been doing this for a long time. It's where all the gray hair, gray hair comes from. That's right. That's right. It's distinguishing. One gray hair for every, job, every transaction closed. That's but right. it looks so easy on HGTV. <laughs> that's right. I, you know, they just list the home and it sells. Yes. So let's talk about that. So I'll ask you, Craig. So let's say I'm thinking about selling my house. It's tempting and it's confusing as hell because I've got a million different options to go with. And more and more by the day. I listen to the radio, I listen to TV. I check out my ads and now there's a million things in there that says, hey, you want to sell your house? Give me a call, call me, I'll do it for free. Call me, I'll do it for closing costs. This is 1.5%, here's 2%. But my buddy Joe says he'll do it for six and somebody says it's five. Can I just, what's what's the best way for me to put the money? Give me your mortgage when you buy? Yeah, that's right. So let's, to the person who's thinking about selling their house, what's the best way to get top dollar? Let's chat about that today. Okay. Uh, I got a couple things just to throw out in the beginning. You know, if we take a house, let's say it's a dollar, it's a hundred pennies. Yep. And there's a lot of noise in the industry saying, hey, you guys are charging too much. Right? But nobody really understands the intricacies of what goes on. I understand it because we've got to pay the bills. And, you know, fronting the expense to run the organization that enables the agents to do what they do, right? costs money. And, you know, a lot of people get lost, I think, and let's save the commission and that's how we're going to make more money. So I think I'd like to put an end to that thought. Saving commission is not the way to get the most money for your house. It's a thought. It's a possibility. That's not even. It's a thought. Right? I would argue that you could get more money in your pocket if you paid a higher commission. That's a good, That's good possibility. We'll chat about that for a second. So let's go through. What are my what, so what are my options? I can Google right now, and you can Google right now. Um, flat fee MLS. Yep. You can go to Google right now. See, I, there's a million companies that you could pay a couple hundred bucks to. Yeah, and put in an MLS for 3% and save the listing commission. Yep. Right? So, and or can, put it in at 2% and save 1% off the 3% this normal. Or put it in for 100 bucks and offer nothing. Right. And know that it's going to hit Zillow and Truly and all those different websites, so you should be getting buyer calls and inquiries yourself. Right. Put a little sign out front. You can do it. Right? I really want to talk about what it is. And you could also operate on your own foot. Well, that's the problem, though. They don't know what it is, right? As a general consumer, because I, before I entered this industry, I had no idea. All in your mind, all you understand is that you, as the consumer, are paying a percentage to someone, and what they do in the background, right? Probably rightfully so. I never see. I don't know. Like maybe they made phone calls. Maybe this person saw me on Zillow. Maybe they saw me on Realtor. Maybe they would have called me anyways. Maybe they just drove by and like the house. Maybe you know. There's all these options that I have no idea how my house gets sold, but it gets sold, right? 
So I think that's part of the problem is there's a lot of confusion on the consumer side, and that's the fault of, of the industry and us and everyone else for not presenting that value, which is why we are actively doing things like we're doing right now, trying to educate the consumer for their benefit. But I think that's the biggest issue of why people you know, immediately go to that and why these 1% and zero fees and all this stuff that are have gotten some traction, yeah. the fault of everyone else. Well, look at that real quick. Yeah, we just got back to the Marvel Island. Yep. Here's the stat. In 2011, there were 4.8 million home sales, 4.5 million home sales, and 4.6 million real estate leads. Right, internet leads. Internet leads, like from Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, CenturyClone.com, all those things put together. So like one lead per home sale, right. which is a misnomer anyway, because not every home, every lead that calls and buys. The stat that was released for last year, 2017, 85 million internet leads, and there were 5.5 million home sales last year. 85 million internet leads. Which means, first blush, that there's 80 million pieces of crap out there. Well, right? actually, is that true? there's some problems with that, because the industry's telling us that the average internet lead goes unanswered for 48 hours, or 48% go unanswered. Unanswered. Totally yeah. unanswered. So there's 40 million. And you got yeah, still have 35 more million more. Yeah, and you've got duplicates in there. I mean, ultimately, you know, run a conversion rate, right? If on an e-commerce world, if you convert 4% of oh, your gosh. traffic, you're doing really well, right? right? The average is two to 4%. So you think about that, if that transpired into the home lead business, right? right. Yeah, you would expect to be 1.6 million homes. Right, so we're actually converting almost double um, that over double. So, because not every sale comes from internet. Well, that's our biggest source. Right. So let's, go, let's, let's walk this back for a second, real quick. Because if I'm thinking about selling my house right now, mm -hmm. I could go to Home Depot. Well, I just want to put an end to the thought. Well, Zillow's going to sell my house. Zillow's going to get you a bunch of leads. But yep. chances are, the buyer for your house is already in our database. Because the other stat that came out of that conference was home shoppers now start their search on the internet. And it's a three month to 18 month cycle. Right. So the people that are buying now have been looking for three months or 18 months already. Yep. And they're in not only our database, they're in every other broker's database too because they're inquiring multiple times. And it's a matter of who their consumer connects with that's working with you. I'll jump devil's advocate for a second, which is fantastic. I'm a future, I'm a home seller. Mm -hmm. And I don't care who sells my house. I want my house sold. I hope you've got a database of people. I hope my sign works. I hope my Zillow make me move post works. I hope something happens and I post it on my Facebook page, everything about selling a house. And all of this could work, mm -hmm. right? And attract a, attract a buyer to you or a person who might want to sell your house. But this is where I want to really kind of dig into. So we were talking on the way over here, over here over the phone and saying, look, this is what I think needs to be brought out to the public's mindset, right? If I were to get sued for something, and I could physically walk into the courtroom, right, to my my judge, my day in court, and I could represent myself. Yes, you could, right? Mm -hmm. I could save the money. I could not pay the six hundred dollar an hour attorney bill, mm -hmm. and all those things, and I could do that if, right? If you have the time to educate, could I win? I might, if I have the time to educate myself, learn some case law, figure out the stats, see who I'm representing again, see his strengths, see his weaknesses. See how I can position myself, use some sales skills, or some negotiation, try to influence the jury and the judge to get my case believable, trustworthy, 
with credible facts, so I win, right? I could do that. That would take a lot of time, but it's possible to go do. You could also hire a hundred lawyer who you're probably paying in Bangladesh to file some paperwork for you, just like you can hire these people to sell your house that are you know some internet site where it's like just these attorneys who I can't could. get these themselves. You could do that. I too. could hire right now that just graduated. There's a ton of brand new attorneys with a license, right? Oh yeah. That would be that willing to do would, it for yeah, cheaper. So I can get one for less than six hundred bucks an hour. Absolutely. I get a five, I get four, I get three, I get a two, I get a one on contingency, I get one for ten, I get someone that just wants to do it pro bono to build their case. Yep. Right? There's, so there's a million different options out there. We were joking too. I could also build my own car. You could. I could build my own helicopter if I chose to. <laughs> I could operate on my own foot. I would never fly in that with <laughs> right. I just want to put that but out here, But here's the point. It's, and it's the, the basis point needs to change, in my opinion, from a consumer perspective, because we're here clearly just given value and content, so you yeah. guys see your options. Whether we work together one day or not, we're here yeah. to help you and let you see the other side. But here's the fun part. The way we operate, at least, is when a customer engages us and they become a client, now, let, me, let me back that sentence up for a second. When a, a customer becomes a client, there's a major shift. Yep. Okay? And the major shift. When we become a single agent, take on an agency When we take on an agency relationship, that puts us into a offensive or defensive position where we now have the obligation and legal ability and authorization to go out there and really make things happen for the client. Right? Now, so, let me give context real quick because mm -hmm. some people, this might be some people's first time watching us. Okay. We've discussed it before, but if this is your first time watching, you've never heard us before. Single agency, just to be clear, right? From a from a consumer asking you, you're telling me that if I have an agent who does not offer single agency, they don't actually represent me no. in the transaction, right? Let's let's yes, you're correct. Let's watch the words and make sure we're really clear on it. An agent who has never mentioned the word single agent to you, agency to you, is what's called a transaction broker. There's a transaction brokerage relationship. We talked on our last podcast that the relationship is not with that agent, it's with the brokerage that the agent works for. Okay. So your agreement with anybody you're working with is not with that person, it's with the company that has the responsibility housing their license, right? Yep. So just remember that if you haven't watched our last podcast, go back and take a look at that. It's a lot of really great content there. Mm -hmm. So once you engage in an agency relationship, it says, I now have four major things, right? Full disclosure, obedience, loyalty, confidentiality. and confidentiality. That, that escalates things to a major way. So I would venture to say the majority, meaning more than half, and I'm being very easy on this one, do not offer this. And so if you have had an agent in the past, or even current, and they didn't bring up single agency or a higher level of representation, you didn't sign anything, you're being represented as a transaction broker, which I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it's different, right? It yep. depends on the level of value that you have. Let me give you a couple of examples. There's two recent transactions that, that just happened right around us in our world. And, and let's talk about, did the, did the client save money, right? Did they get top dollar? They certainly didn't. So one didn't pay a commission, and I'll tell you the scenarios in these two situations. One was a house that was not far down from me. I talked about this a, bit, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it sold off market, right, in a day, right? Complete, just sold quickly. And it sold for $100,000 less than market value, okay? So now, maybe there's a reason. I'm sure there was. Everyone has a reason for everything they do. 
But what actually happened here is this thing sold immediately. A hundred thousand, I'm not talking 10 or 15, I'm talking $100,000 left on that one. Another good example, there's a, another piece of property actually in the same town, actually same neighborhood that sold and it sold quickly within the first day getting in the market. And the reason why that one sold is because the agent, in my opinion, of course, didn't do their due diligence, didn't really represent the agent's best interest. And the property was big enough to be split into two lots. And this is on the water and a waterfront lot is worth around $400,000 a piece. And so that just the dirt was a $800,000 transaction. The house sold in the mid sixes, right? In the first day. Um, and there's definitely- It wasn't a bad price for a house. No, a, a house is, that was a good price for a waterfront house, but not knowing the underlying value or having yeah. the due diligence to do this, there was at least $150,000 left on the table on that one transaction. So now without agency, those type of things happen. So the question is, where does the value actually come from? And that's what we talked about. So if I were to list it for 200 bucks and put it on the MLS, what's the benefit to doing that? The whole broker community will see it, yeah. it'll pop up, and then they, they can now bring their buyers. True story. Yep. I could put it on Zillow for sale by owner, and most buyers are looking at Zillow, they own the home search world, right? And so, but I want to draw the distinction between home search and buying, right? So let's talk about the situation there. So let's let's say that I posted on Zillow or for sale by owner sign, or I paid somebody 200 bucks to put it on MLS for me. Now, somebody brings me a potential lead. Let's walk through how that works from an agency perspective. Okay, so I'm willing to pay, Mike now works for Remax, it's not our company, and he brings me a buyer I'm up for sale by owner. And so what let's, is- Let's go one step back. Duty? The MLS is a very, very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to try to sell it on yourself, at least go to a flat the MLS broker and get the MLS exposure. Correct. Because like I talked earlier, uh, the buyer is probably already in our database. So as agents, what we do is we put customers on home searches. So if I'm looking in Madeira Beach, for example, my, I'm going to put my customer up and say, anything that pops up new in Madeira Beach between 400 and 600, let me know about it. Yep. So, right? so the minute it hits the MLS, it's broadcast out to the world and people that are actively searching are going to know it's for sale. Correct. Right? So that's why when we say, I tell the agents all the time, do not put this listing live until it's fit, polished, and shined. Yep. I want the best photos. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. So professional photography makes the house look great. It's spit polished and shine. Ideally, it is been inspected ahead of time, yep. so you can identify all the problems with the house, so the buyer doesn't lose confidence once they so, do the inspection. Let's talk about that second because I'm going to talk about marketing positioning in a second. Because what you're not getting in this particular case is that, right? And a lot of you—that's a solid advice. That's the right thing. For, never get a second chance to make a first yeah. impression. You've known that since kindergarten. Yeah, it's more than ever true in real estate. Yeah. And you might be a phenomenal widget salesman and you're the best car dealer ever in the planet or you're great whatever you've been in the past which is great you think you could sell it on yourself now don't blur the lines here attracting a buyer in this type of market does not take skill right it no. takes a post and a pretty picture you know what i mean let's be really clear on that yeah. where the where the real value comes into is what happens when the person starts to click and look right because that's the thing because this is product and position to your point right so one of the things, whether you do this with us or not, yep. right, you've got the first impression. Because here's, if you bought a home before, you know this is the case. You walk into a home and the first thing you start thinking about is, 
how are the buyers, the sellers trying to screw me? Did they just paint the ceiling? Is there a leak? Where's that? Where's their mold? Is there, what's going on? What are they trying to hide from me? So they're always in the defensive and they put an offer in on the house and they say, screw them. I know they're hiding something. So give them 20 grand less. Let's start there, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a psychological game yeah. that you're trying, you're in diametrically opposite positions. Or my other favorite, let's buy it as is, and then if we don't like the inspection, we'll just lower the low wall later. Right, yeah. Which is, unfortunately, a practice that goes on a lot. So here's what, here's what we do, representing our clients group um, here, is let's say, Mike, you're a home seller. I'm gonna say, Mike, we've got one shot to hit the market. The first one shot to hit the first impression. The hottest time on the marketplace, the market is right away. Because everybody in the world gets a new alert at your house, you're the, the new guy slash girl just moved into town, and you're the most exciting thing in the world, everyone's gonna look at you, Yep. right? So you can make a good impression or a crappy one. So what we do that's is- a good market or a bad market. Yes, that's just market. a fact, yeah. So when it hits the market, we say, wait, in fact, here's what we do a lot of times before. While we're doing this, we start the attraction strategy for properties with um, just a pre-market exercise, which we can tell you more about in another, another podcast. But what we do is say, Mike, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna send out the photographer, but not yet. We're gonna walk through your house because we're about to position you yep. in the marketplace as a product, okay? And let's put a strategy on right here for a second. So everyone who's gonna be looking in this marketplace, I always use examples like this, right? You're now a drinking cup, yep. right? If we went to a shelf at Publix and there's a bunch of drinking cups on this shelf, you're now asking me as a marketer to put a new product on the shelf. Okay. Sell that one over the others. Right. So yeah, and so what I have to do as a marketer is say, wait a second here. All right, there's already things on the market. How do we position it? There's a how do we make a customer choose this cup over this wall? That's right. Yeah. They both hold liquid. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's features and benefits to both, and there's costs associated with that. So what's the feature and benefit versus cost? So we say, okay, this is the new one I'm about to put on the market. And let's say it's your house and it's smelly and it smells like cat pee and we got some issues and it's old, right? You can't command the same price as a beautiful house that's brand new, naturally. So we have to see where do we put you in the market. So we got to find ones closer to yours, the cat pee house. Right, to right? Any to agent that is going to price your house without seeing it, get rid of them. Yes, fire them immediately. For this exact reason. Yep. Yes. Because we have to say, where do we fit? Are we. Now, if you go to the Publix, just to finish this analogy here quick, and you're going to go to grab these cups, one of them fell and is dented, right, and has a clearance sticker on it, and it's the cheapest one on there. Mm -hmm. Or the other one is gold-plated, and it's got a funny saying on it, and it's got an extra lid and a bigger straw, right, and it's the most expensive one. Yep. So you have to figure out how do you position yourself there. So what we do from a housing perspective is go through this scenario and say, not only are we going to position you, and this takes strategy, right? This is a marketing strategy, right? We said not only that, once they pick you up, we're going to make sure that your house is the most beautiful thing that they've ever seen, and most importantly, from an emotional level, that they feel comfortable because yeah. bow with emotions and justify with life. Because so what do we do? Ninety-nine percent of the time, when they pick you up, they're going to inspect you. They're going to lose confidence and say, whoa, well, you didn't tell me about that then. What about, what else did you not tell That's right. So we do what's called a certified pre-loved home. And what that does is say, hey, we've already done the inspections. Don't worry about it. What else is involved in that? We look at the title search to make sure there's no defects. It just sucks when you get a house under contract, the buyer's ready to go, we have a closing date set, and we find out, lo and behold, there's a, you know, the house is in, is in a trust, and the trustees are not available to sign. 
Yeah. And it happens all the time. Not all the time, but it happens a more lot. frequently than we want. Mm -hmm. So we do the title search up front. We get a copy of the search. I, we did a deal the other day. The customer, not our customer, they have the opportunity to get a survey. They didn't choose to get a survey. They chose to go on the seller's old survey. Well, when the seller sold, built, bought the house, okay. the survey was done accurately. This seller filled in a ditch in the backyard and then put his fence further out. So the buyer, after buying the house, relying on the seller's survey, found out we had a letter from the county saying, you've got to move your fence and clear out our ditch. And it was like a $4,000 expense. <laughs> and the buyer's like, what are you talking about? That's my fence. That's, it's not on the survey. A new survey revealed that, because the seller did that after the survey was done. Right. Little nuances like that. Yeah, you saved some commission on that one, buddy. But you just went a four thousand. Well, I day. think just in that example alone, you know, if you're trying to sell your house yourself, you don't think you need an agent. There's five things right there that you did not do that may prevent you from being able to sell the house. Or my right? you get top dollar too. Yeah. So I mean, you know, obviously, if you want the most money, and you know, I think at some point we'll hit on it, but top dollar is relative too, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all a matter of. What do I care more about? Yeah, top dollar is it, four is it months from now. Okay. Money, yeah. right? Because their top dollar four months or top dollar in 30 days or top dollar in one day is different, right? And people so, forget they're carrying costs for these houses. You're paying right. taxes, you're paying interest. Yeah, so paying everyone's situation is interest. Right, so it's positioning and, and getting everything done that way. Now, the, the next step is that's just the attraction strategy, and that's a huge part of it, right? is if somebody doesn't really have a real strategy, I just put you on the MLS, put yourself on the MLS, how about it? Yeah. But if there wasn't a real attraction marketing strategy behind it, you're really wasting time or leaving money on the table. You want to talk about the visual, auditory, kinesthetic word choices when you're writing the descriptions so you attract the oh. customer sources? Yeah. There's so, an art behind almost everything that we do. For it takes minutes. us four days to train an agent. Four solid days. We've not that's just the onboarding. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, just onboarding. And then go, yeah. go beyond that. Now, here's a fun part too. So that's just the customer attraction strategy and someone came to me because I'm freaking baking with this light. <laughs> I got the high back chair this time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so once the client comes to us, it's a whole different world. So a perfect example right now, um, there's a condo seller that we have here in, here in Tampa and it went under contract very quickly. Right? The attraction strategy was good, the inventory was low and it went under contract very quickly. And so, which was great. Another agent brought the buyer, fantastic. Okay. So this is where I want to show real value. Let me just comment on that real fast. Mm -hmm. Another agent brought the buyer. Sometimes our sellers get mad and say, how come you didn't bring the buyer? Well, we did. You know, there's 15,000 real estate agents and just the Greater Tampa Realtor Association. Mm -hmm. And there's only 2,500 sales a month in Tampa. So by definition, you know, what is it, 25% of the 1,500? Yeah. yeah. 15,000. There's not enough buyers for every agent to do something every month. Yeah. So here's what happened with this one, and it's great the way it worked out. So the buyer came in, and I'm a very, very, very involved in this specific transaction. So the buyers came, they put in an offer, and now who do we represent? 100% the seller. Yep. What do we owe the buyer? Zippo. In fact, my job fair is and honest. fair to be fair and honest, right? But I could beat the crap out of them in the negotiation. Yes. Yep. Right. I legally can whip it out there and smack them around, flap them up, spit, you know, just do it, get every penny I can to protect our client with full disclosure, obedience, loyalty, and confidentiality. Yep. Bring it on. We know what we're doing. Positioning was straight, so it came long. So this particular agent um, 
king. Let me spend time with the buyer. Right, first problem. Because <laughs> what I end up doing is I got asking them a lot of questions about the motivation. I know everything about their personal situation. So that I mean, I mean, there were tears coming from the other side of the conversation as I asked the right questions. Why would I ask these questions? So I can build up my case well, because I have loyalty. You can't. Loyalty to the other side. Yeah. Now I know this particular other agent was transaction broker only. She couldn't, even if she had information, she couldn't tell her client, which is huge. And I know we probably, we'll get into that in a whole different topic. But so this, I know a lot of information about this buyer, which I should not have known, right? Which allows me to, to craft what I'm about to tell you what we craft. Just so it doesn't sound sinister, give us an example of that information. Um, found out they've got a house that's closing in 30 days and they get it because that There's an stuff. emotional life changes happened to this one particular person who was a very emotional, impulsive, wanting to change her life situation very quickly, right? I'm not going to get too in detail, you kind of figure yeah. it out, right? So leaving a past world, moving into a new world, yep. a lot of emotions and energy back here, just extremely excited, quickly, motivated to get it done now, Yep. right? And so great. So then, so knowing this, I wanted to sell this product as a good solution to her problem. So I started selling the lifestyles and the features and the benefits and the community and the feel and the safety and security, all the other things that were relevant to her because I had elicited the questions, correct? Yep. And so I got this information out, which builds the case, which I now I'm going to start to tell you how we used, right? So now I knew she wanted to do this. She had a particular home she had to sell, right? And I said, I did a little thing pulling of information to find out about the market they were in, and homes are selling in like seven days. So, so I felt pretty good as long as the price is right. Yep. So I said, look, if you are not a very good buyer, right? you're not with a good tension on the sale of another home, said, but I do connect with your story. I feel excited for you to be able to start a new chapter in your life. So we have better buyers, right? But we're going to help you because you'll be good. And we did this on purpose because I honestly feel this way. Right? I think it's a great property for her to live in. Now, with that being said, I'm still going to one-sidedly smack her around for negotiation, right? Because she yeah. has an agent to represent her, it's not me, Yeah. Right? So now what we did is accepted the contingency on the sale of her home, which is not a good thing in a market like this, but we did because I honestly want, want to see her in the house and she will get in there. But I, so financing contingencies, right? They wanted a 30 or 45 day financing contingency. I said, no, not gonna happen because you know whether or not you're approved. Yeah. You don't know if the home is approved, but you know you're approved. And if you don't, don't waste our time now, because I'm not even going to take your offer. Because yeah. if you haven't made a load application yet, if they haven't pulled your credit, if you haven't filed your taxes, if you don't have any pay stubs, if you haven't taken those steps to be a real qualified buyer, why should we even remotely consider taking your offer? It doesn't make any sense. There's something that doesn't happen much. <laughs> right? Nobody does that. So I won't even accept it. Go get that stuff done and come back to us. But I had four other showings today and we'll not be here tonight. And that wasn't a pressure situation. That was fact, right? Because it's yep. a low inventory. So I said, here's what we'll do. 15-day loan approval. Thank you. That's a 10-day inspection period. That's it. We'll let you contingent on the sale of your home. But just know in 15 days from now, Right? You're not being able to get out of this home. You're releasing your contingencies, and if you don't go to the deposit. We got $10,000 in escrow, right? And I said very clearly, 16 days from now, if you don't close for any reason when the closing date is, you are going to lose this escrow. We're willing to take that guarantee. Or if you don't cancel. If you don't cancel. But the only reason you can cancel if the property is in the place. Other than that, at that point in time, you know you're buying it, and the money's at risk. Okay, so here's what happens. Now, this is current. Current, right now, as of this morning, as of what's in my inbox right now, 
the agent calls me and says, the age, the buyer can't get her financing because there was a blip in her spouse's issue in the back that she didn't know about that caused her credit to be messed up. So she needs to change lenders. Okay. Uh-oh. And closing Not date yet. is scheduled for next week. Okay. Needs to change lenders. Now asking for an extension for 45 days to the end of August. Okay. Now let's be human. So here I talk to the seller and say, seller, here's your options. Number one, take the 10 grand, go put it back in the market. Okay. That's an option. Is that a real option? That's a real option because of the way that the, the contract was structured on her benefit to on our client's benefit to make sure that there was a strong deal. And nothing was shady about it. It was completely spelled on the contract. The other agent knew it, everybody knew it. Yep. But they now are in a no negotiation position, zero leverage position, trying to say, I need this extension now, please sign this extension, please sign this extension. And I don't know what the seller's gonna to decide to do because it will sell tonight if it goes on the market. Right. It's still going to close in 45 days. So that's what the human part. That's is. that's the point, right? So what do you do now? This the seller, the buyer, is in a position where they already lost that money. So do you just walk away from that money? Do probably going to ask. Here's what's most likely going to happen after this: is we'll end up doing the extension, releasing the money from escrow right now, so there's never a fight about it later, right? And having additional escrow deposit put in as well, which is very strong and very aggressive to do. Yeah, would you put another five grand to save your 10? That's the point, where you put another five oh, grand in a user kind of Right, and if you have a problem with it, you should talk to your agent who allowed you to sign. Well, and I think that's what we need to highlight here, right? Because right? that's, that's really the punchline here is, ultimately, this buyer does not have a very good agent, right? Right. So you need that, it's so important that when someone is hiring an agent, if they decided that they're not gonna go the for sale by owner route, right, and they're gonna hire someone, I don't think a good one. most people know what a good one is. Well, that's I demonstrated, because one of the stats of this conference was 72% of sellers hire the first agent they talk to. Yes, and that doesn't surprise me. And they don't look behind the door to see and what I think, honestly, here's the way I feel. I'm okay with that if consumers have the right, know the right questions to ask. Right, and I can tell you because I was one pretty recently. You, unless you're in this industry, you don't. No. Right, you really don't. And unless there are really good agents sitting across from you that's transparent and honest and going to dive in and really explain the process to you, they're not going to lead you into asking the questions. So you know, I think let's go through some of the things that a potential seller or buyer should be qualifying their agent with. Because there's a bunch of questions they should be asking that I don't think most consumers know to ask. Good point. I think it, it starts with, as a seller, what do you want? Right? Is it about time or is it about money? Because if you're a seller, say, Mike, do you and Courtney want to get the highest price you possibly can have and you have all the time in the world to wait? Because sometimes we might counsel you to say, this is not the time. Because that one over on Oak Street is a better house than yours and we need that one off the market in order to get to what you guys want to do so the reality is this is not the time to sell once you wait right and if you're good with that we love it anyway we're here to help you no matter what you want 
But if you say, look, my kids need to get into school, I got to get into this other school district, I need to sell this damn thing, and let's sell it to this weekend. That's a whole different pricing strategy, and you still got top dollar based on the motivation and time frame that you wanted. Right? So number one is find somebody that you can tell your real story to, but be very careful who you tell your story to, because if you're telling it to an agent that can't work on your behalf, what's the point, mm -hmm. right? On that one, so set somebody you can trust that has your back, that has the experience and the knowledge to do this. And then so, also, who is good? And I don't mean number of sales, I mean good, as far as who can relate to people. Who has sales, as Craig touched on it earlier, I mean, marketing descriptions, right? From a, a product positioning standpoint, you touched on it, but there's a total eight hour podcast I could do on just one of the representational systems <laughs> on people. But is the who's your buyer? You have no clue who your buyer is. Neither does your agent, neither does your broker, because it's a fantasy right now. It doesn't even exist. We gotta attract them or her or them. Right? So but are they strong alpha type personalities? Are they high interpersonal people? Are they C analytical people? Are they kind of soft? People are they visual tribes? Are they auditory? Are they kinesthetic? What is your wording? Because what language do they speak? What language do they speak? So, so let's get very practical. So you're saying number one question: How do you represent me? Are you a transaction broker or are you a single agent? Right? Do you that, represent? That is a that is a question that needs to be asked. Do you represent me and how? Okay. okay. So those there's two, there's, right there's two questions. Write them how? down because those are probably the two most important questions. Period that you need to ask. Then, would it be a good idea for them to ask to see the description of the house that they've, that they've sold or have currently listed? Yes. Secret. Google them, right? Google their name, find some past sales, see how their photos look, see how their descriptions look, and, and sound, and feel. Right? Here, here's what's most common, right? Is most agents are going to sit across from you and be like, "Oh, well, I sold 37 homes last year, and I've done a million dollars in you know average sale, and blah 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 blah." Yeah. And they're giving you all this high-level stuff, but the reality is you have no context to a how they did it, what time period it was in, did they get lucky, was the market super hot, where was the home, how much was it? Like, there's so many factors that yeah. go into that. But I think getting practical. You want to see, can they speak everyone's language? How are they writing? Are they taking professional photos, right? Yeah. What else? What else should they be asking? Who, how, how do I know if someone is good sitting across from me? I think, you, I think a prime example is, let's talk about commission, right? Because if you can out-negotiate the person who's going to be responsible for negotiating the biggest financial transaction of your life, you need to kick them out of your house immediately. And Jared James said it, you know, our buddy Jared James said it at the conference and it's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Whereas if a good agent should, if you want to negotiate them down to 2%, 1%, whatever you, you know, feels appropriate value for them and you win, kick them out because that means that they should not be negotiating. They can't negotiate for themselves. They're they clear should, what their value yeah, is. They should not, not be negotiating course. that financial You, do, you just hit a cool point though. If you have a perception of what the value for them is, yep. right? Really important. And this is okay. This isn't a smack to anybody, but every person has their value. A, an attorney coming out of law school today Right, has a value, and so does John Morgan from Morgan and Morgan, who's mm -hmm. been doing it for 30 years and has done it 10,000 cases and yep. billions of dollars and settled. Same process, different value. 
Yep. Right? That new person cannot command the same value and price that the other person can. Now, I would argue that a brand new attorney will not get the same settlement that a John Morgan would. 100%. Right? Because of what reasons? Because he's seen it, he's smelt it, he knows it, and he's comfortable and knows how to negotiate the process. He knows the judges, he knows the court guys, he knows the whole process, and he's up on case law and he can negotiate well and kick well, the new guys. But he's, he's got a history. Right, John's got you know. He's and, connected. He's connected, and people know, right? By by him doing it so many times, yep. if John walks in the room and another attorney knows his history and how difficult he's going to be to deal with, they're sitting back going, "Oh man!" Right? <laughs> yep. Some fresh-faced kid walks in that they've never seen before. They're like, "Yes, we oh, got him!" Right? And don't think and we then, don't have fun with this too. And we that see is it the same in our industry. <laughs> and yep. it's Susie Smith. I use that name all the time. I can go to myfloridalicense.com and it's Susie Smith. Ooh, license in March of 2018. Yes! <laughs> right? This is going to be a fun negotiation. And hold on, let's take it a step further though, because it goes the same thing. And this is another bringing us back to being practical questions to ask, right? Every agent's going to sit across from you and tell you how great they are, right? What they're probably not going to talk about is how great is the broker behind them? Because that's who you're truly hiring. What's the debt? Right? Yeah. Who is your broker? What's where's their well? How what's their production? What do they do? How do they help you? Right? As an agent, because that's important. Because I can promise you one thing: if you're leaving that home sale entirely up to the agent to handle market, co cover the expense of you're in trouble, right? Especially if they are with some no-name mom-and-pop shop that's got two agents and is barely keeping the lights on, you won't know unless you ask those questions and do your research on who they are. And then even, you're probably gonna take another step and peek behind yep. them and say, okay, who's the big, big brand in the room? How much leverage do they have? Are they gonna help drive leads? Are they gonna provide the support? Do they have the lead system? Because that's important, right? All these leads are going to come in. You mentioned earlier, they're going to put on the MLS and all these calls are going to come in. Pa How do they handle it? Pause that for a second, because if, if we're going to start outing it, let's out it. So here's some, oh, yeah, let's out it. some more things. So let's say Susie Smith like, yep. just got her real estate license or has had it for 10 years and works for any real estate company in the country, mm -hmm. right? Here's, here's what really happens. She inputs it into the MLS system, multiple listing system, whichever MLS system she has. It physically is data input and it is a submit, load photos, submit, and then poof, okay? Now, here's what really happens. It's syndicated to a bunch of stupid websites. Some are populated with eyeballs and some are not. And it's a lot, it's a smoke and mirror game of I'm on 800, I'm on a thousand, I'm on 1200 websites. Yeah. It's all crap because you're on the, the Denver Gazette, right? <laughs> As one of your thousand websites. Hey, big, I like that. Deal, okay? <laughs> so understand that marketing is pretty level from the most part yes. until it's not. Okay. And this is what people aren't going to tell you. Little things like we're like putting the right photographs up. So we're part of, or Beckham's Enterprises, part of Century 21, which is part of Realogy, which is over a third of every real estate transaction in the country is part of our, our team, yep. our tribe, right? That's leverage, right? So when Realogy goes to um, Zillow, right, there's a different 
set of rules than when Aardvark Banana Realty goes to Zillow because they don't even go to Zillow because Zillow doesn't talk to them. Yeah, right? no, you're right. They're, they're not relevant to talk to. So when Realogy calls, it's a different conversation. Yep. So here's what you also don't know. You go search right now, 123 Oak Street, anywhere USA. You're gonna see a whole bunch of people's faces up and those people are probably not even the listing agent. Maybe one of them is, maybe one of it's not. You're gonna send the lead and some random agent is gonna call you and say, hi, okay? You're gonna assume that person knows what the hell they're talking about about 123 Oak Street, but they don't really most of the time, and I'm, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna caveat that so no one wants to try to smack me on it, but most of the time, 99% of the time, you're not gonna to get to the listing agent. The agent's never, the agent has, Zillow sells zip codes to agents. So I can buy 10% of the leads in that zip code or 25% or 50%. So if I buy 50% of the leads and one out of every two inquiries in that zip code, I, my name's gonna appear first. And if you don't select me, the lead goes to agent on top. Yeah. Unless you specifically check the box that says I want Susie Smith or I want the listing agent or I want some one of those. And you gotta stand on your head and reach backwards in order to find that box. And while we're on that, That's just real quick, and when those people come up, you can see their the amount of Zillow reviews they have, and how many stars they got, and how many recent sales they've done. Mm -hmm. And that's a game in and of itself, because a lot of agents are patting their, stats. patting their stats quite a bit. Yeah, and that's not really the best thing. I know we've got some really good agents that just don't get Zillow reviews because you got to send the request for the review. The best yep. one's got to accept it. They got to send it back. And Century Twenty has its own review process, and we don't honestly want to have every customer do 15 reviews yeah, on their car. Yeah, it's hard to get to do it. So I'm going to pull this one out of the weeds for a second. Because yeah. the, so when somebody goes online to search for 123 Oak Street, it pops up on Zillow, yep. right? And then they're going to click submit. It's going to go to somebody who's not your listing agent most yep. of the time. So I want you to sit back and think for a second. You hired, in that you hired Susie from Banana Realty, and Susie put it in the MLS, and MLS shot it out to Zillow, and somebody sees it on Zillow, and the person, the lead clicks for more information, and it goes to somebody who's not Susie Smith. But <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, who's representing the, the description of that house? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, which house? I've got another one on whatever street. Now, I just want you to know, this is outing a lot of people won't like this either. Yes. But it's the, it's the truth. This so the one of the things that we are able to do, because we have clout and experience and connections in a, in a, a, a beast of an organization and a tribe, is when you do click on the properties, we get notified of every lead that comes on on the properties too. Yep. So the listing and only we do. This is not like a, other brands don't get this. It's a Century Twenty One. This is Century Twenty One is able to. We so, get copied on every lead that comes in. So Mike's not a listing agent, but the customer doesn't select Mike. They just don't know to select. So they go to the first agent on the list. That agent gets your information. Because Mike, she bought the zip code. She bought the zip code. Mike gets an email saying, congratulations, Mike. We just gave a lead on your listing to one of our premier agents. If you'd like to follow up, click this link, and then we get your the buyer's email address. No other company gets it. Yep. So let me ask you a question. If you're a seller, now this is the value. If Now, Susie with Banana Realty will never bring this up because it's not a level playing field, but there's this goes back to a serious point. If you can't compete in value, you have to compete on price. Yep. Okay? So if part of your offering package is 
hire me. I can't represent you. I have no loyalty, confidentiality, obedience, and full disclosure. I'm going to put you, push a button, and syndicate to everybody else on the planet. I can't even represent you when a buyer comes because I'm legally not allowed to. Um, I can't charge a good fee. Right? That's why I'm just going to walk in and bend over and say, I'll do it for four. Right? That's a crappy it, guys. I'm sorry. It just is. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking to get representation in a real serious price and I want somebody serious to represent my best interests, I'm going to hire somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, has reach exposure, and the ability to have leverage in a negotiation like I talked about. The agent that discounts is really not working. They're, well, they're, they're going to discount themselves. What are they going to do to the house? Right? That just shows to me, that just shows how truly desperate they are. Right, let's, let's play this out there for a second. Sold. You're the agent. Yep. Oh, they want 280? Tell them I'll give them 255. Okay, write it up. Okay. I need it, I need it written up and sent over. That's worth 1%. Okay? So, other way. Oh, they want 180? Tell them I'll give them 255. 280. 280. Well, in that case, now we can work, if you're working with a single agent, they're going to represent you through that entire transaction. But let's talk about a different. Jeff, are you serious? Have you seen the other competition on the market? This house smokes them. Is your buyer serious or is he just playing around? Right. Here are some comps. So let's walk through the shelf together. Let's go through the features and benefits. Why did you call on this cup? Why did you pick this cup off the shelf? Because you like it, right? Why did you like this? Because the other ones weren't as right. Right? So let's tell you why was this cup more appropriate to you? What's it really worth for you? Tell you what. Let's go through and negotiate this whole thing for you. Let's figure out your deal. Let's put a contract in on it. See, it's it's a skill. It's getting it in. Yeah. It's pushing them in yeah. to a to a real contract. 100%. Right? So you've got to figure Setting out. Setting an expectation and a standard rather than just rolling over and saying. Right. And I love it from when we have single agency full representation on the seller and another buyer's agent comes over, not part of our company, and they say 255 and it's a 280 listing, full reign to smack that, right? And oh, say, yeah. wait a second, come on. That's what I like. We've got a, a really good agent on the other side too, because we just work with that other agent and say, "Are you kidding me? Don't even okay. waste my time with this." And they know exactly the same thing, and they go back to their buyer and say, "Look, I told this agent, he's pretty sharp. He knows all this shit. You're not going to get it at that price." So, especially when it's Susie Smith who got her license in March of 2018. Right. Well, I don't who's got new agents? We have a lot of new agents. No, but, but here's the problem: there's a lot of Susies running around out there thinking that they're the shit, and they're. Not right, but when Susie can be, you know, she could say, She could say, Look, hire me. Yes, I just got licensed in March, but I work for XYZ, and you're really hiring XYZ. And here's what you get when you hire me because you're really getting XYZ, and here's what we bring to the table, and that's why it's good for you. Let me talk about agency, let me talk about representation, let me talk about pricing, let's talk about strategy, let's talk about my strategies on how to present and market and write and correspond and text and, and build connections and negotiate and check the right boxes and use the right contract and all these things. That's why you're hiring me and my company. Sign the damn contract. I've got your back. Right? And that's worth another point or two because you're going to get more on the back end yep. in your pocket at the end when you hire somebody who actually has your back. Or you're going to get a more secure transaction that's actually going to close if you don't lose two or three more on some market. Right. Yep. So you could money too. So you could get for a couple hundred bucks, get somebody attracted, but that's where the money gets lost. Right? The yep. worst things that we see happen, and it's funny, I shouldn't say it's funny, it, it's entertaining when single agency works both ways from the buyer side too. So when the buyers come to one of our agents, we love it when they find a for sale by owner that might be interesting because the for sale by owner offers to pay us to beat them up. Right? When we have a single agency relationship with a buyer, 
and we go through the whole process with them and, and, and just do it. We know the contracts to use. We know the clauses to use. And it's, it's sad to see on the other side of the transaction when, let's say you were a for sale by owner, and I walked in off the street unrepresented and I put your house under contract, and you think it's sold. But you don't really understand all the hundreds of steps yeah, that happened from there to there. Right? And then 45 days from now, you find out that there was a blemish on your credit and they can't get that home, they need to change lenders, but you've already bought another house and you have an escrow deposit down, you have a moving truck outside, and then you have the snowball effect of disaster, which costs you way more than hiring the right attorney right? Yep. or agent or doctor who actually is. So yeah, the good news is real estate transactions are really easy. Until they're not, and yep. that's what you don't Until know. You need problem. the expert when you have the not part. Well, and before you even get to the transaction, I think it's one of the important questions, going back to what they should be asking is, you know, you drive all these leads, right? We just said though that 40, on, it, on the industry average, 47% go unanswered, right? So an important question to ask the agent sitting across from you is, how do you guys handle your leads? Someone calls you, right? You're gonna put in the MLS, let's say 100 people call you. Are you responsible to answer the call and call every single one of them back? Are you gonna text every single one of them back? How are they tracked? How do they get not get lost? You're These are questions that you're, yeah, you're not text. gonna ask, right? Because you're not thinking that far ahead, but the reality is that if they're at some mom and pop brokerage, most of them don't have the technology or the systems, or the systems in place, and they just can't. To, to really handle effectively the lead, they probably don't have a CRM system worth anything, yeah. right? So these are questions that you need to ask because they are they're I mean they're just realistically they're going to affect you long term. You just pointed out I think the biggest problem in the industry right now because outside of real estate, it's assumed that everybody's good, right? If you walk into any doctor's office, right, mm -hmm. you, you have a reasonable assumption. But that guy went to school for years and years, went through residency, has an insurance policy, has some reasonable skill, and can perform the, the, the maneuver that you went there to ask for. Right? You yep. don't normally have to question whether he's full of shit or not. You just, it's that, that's the way. Yep. Right? You go to a certified mechanic at the Cadillac dealership, you got an assumption the guy went to school and knows how to deal with the parts and can do it. Yep. So you don't normally question him to do that. Now, I think the problem is people call a realtor and they assume that they have the same level of training across the board, that real estate school is actually a school, right? right? It's a licensing genera revenue generator for the state of Florida, or whatever state yeah. that you're in, to do that. So the education I, that we're talking about is not from the real estate license. It takes time. And how many times our phones blow up throughout the day with advice and strategy from all of our clients and our salespeople? There are hundreds of people running out there um, representing you, technically, your yeah. license and us as, as the company. So that's the biggest issue, and that's allowed people to kind of treat it as a commodity, thinking everybody does the same thing. And our point on this one is everybody does not do the same no. thing. No, and you need and they're not worth the same. Questions. You now, need to ask, to ask the questions that we've said. You right. have, you have that. I mean, for Christ's sakes, my wife called and met with I think three or four different pediatricians. Yeah. Right. Before she just picked one that's right. to bring our kids to. So the doctor is going to do an annual checkup. Right? right, make sure my kids don't have the flu. Right. Yet most people <laughs> pick the first person to handle the largest financial transaction in their life without even asking that many questions. Right. Like we take so much more time. I would argue that half our population took more time to make their and more thought into their Starbucks order this morning than they do in picking 
the person who's going to sell their home. And check in your hotel out before you. So you know, and this isn't to insult anyone. It's the reality is, it, it's like you said, the, the mindset isn't there, and you just assume that oh, they they're with so and so brokers. They know what they're doing. Right. No, they may not, right? And and even on referrals, because I've seen this a lot, oh, well, they sold my friend's house. It doesn't mean much. Where was your friend's house? What was the price point? Where, what? Where what was the they, shelf life that they were Right, how long on? did it take? What did it sell for compared to what the market was? I mean, yeah. there's so many factors there. So don't, even though you may know them, they may have sold someone's house, they may be a relative. Ask the questions. Still ask the questions. Put them through the ringer because the reality is you are going to leave money on the table if you don't. And I know we've got a lot of agents watching that don't work in, in this market or in this company. Step it up, guys. Because yeah. rising tide rises all boats and Everybody, one of our missions is to elevate the standard of excellence in this industry. Yep, that's and the goal. Too much crap going out there that's unacceptable in our opinion, right? So step it up and give people what they want and make sure as a client, as a seller, it's or a buyer. This is one of the largest financial transactions you're ever going to make in your life, right? If not the largest financial transaction. And you need to really think hard about who you're going to put in charge of that transaction, right? Yep. And I'm not saying it needs to be us. I'm just saying that you need to find somebody who's gonna have your back, that's going to have your best interest and is going to really do what they can to understand what you want and give you what you need and have a pleasurable experience along the way. Because there's gonna be ups and downs along the way. There's stress, there's emotions, there's all kinds of stuff that happens in a transaction. You've gotta have somebody that you know has got your back and has your side. And it is not on your side on that one. So that's my closing thought. What do you have? Um, you know, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about also is you know, just the overall value of an agent for so The way the contracts is drafted is critical. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think broker, I'm responsible for all the all the follow through. The critical dates. The contract has a bunch of dates that are critical to the contract. So depending on who's representing you, they forget these things, and it's it's a shame. <clears throat> and then the third one was uh, I just wrote an article on this bit. That's in the riveting one. Oh, just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Snore fast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I forget what it is. Hey, you're talking about oh, the pricing, the pricing strategy, the whole strategic pricing yeah. analysis that we've trained our agents to go through is invaluable. Yes. And and then even the way we get to the closing costs and what you're going to net in your pocket to make sure you understand where you're going. Yep. It's, it's all a decision. There's no right or wrong. Anybody who tells you your house is worth this is wrong. Or who doesn't a house is determined value by the price a buyer is willing to pay based right. on what else is available the day they decide to buy. Yeah. And right. So right. a piece of crap is next door to you right now. It's going to go first because <laughs> somebody can fix it up. And if one is gorgeous and $100,000 more than yours, yours is going to look prettier. And, yep. and that, when that one sells and there's no longer next door is making yours look prettier, you're not worth as much. Yep. So values are fluid based on what else is happening the day the buyer decides to buy. And it changes next week and tomorrow. And it changes next week and tomorrow. Yep. We've got a lot of properties right now that we're not putting on the market yet because we're waiting for a house that sold recently to report as a comp. So we can before get we it to appraise. So we can appraise it up better. And, you yeah, know, there are appraisals too. Yeah, you can sell your house on your own. But you better be yeah. able to deal with the appraiser and make sure he's got the comps to justify the price for the buyer. Yep. Now, we just sold a house the other day. And this is a cool story. It's, it's an agent who's very active in a particular neighborhood. Um, it's a seller, it's a neighborhood I live in. It's a seller. He told me he's going to sell his house. He interviewed three agents. Uh, they were going to make a decision next week. Right. In the meantime, God's honest truth, uh, 
a neighbor that we sold a house to called our agent and said, hey, I've got a friend, they're represented by another agent, but they're looking for a house in our neighborhood. Do you have anything coming on the market soon? Now, this is cool. This house, just for random thought, it's about an $800,000 800, $900, house. That's what it should be worth. The comps that have recently closed put it about seven fifty. So we, we put it on at eight ninety five, sold it forty one on the market at eight seventy five, and that's great news. But guess what? It's not going to appraise. Right. Yeah, it's just not going to appraise. Yeah. We know it's not going to appraise. And we told the buyer it's not going to appraise. And we made sure the buyer has enough money that they can pay the gap, the difference between what it appraises for and the amount of loan they're trying to get. But you sold the value, which made them be totally okay. There's no doubt. This house is worth every penny of it. Right. Right, which will replace the whole neighborhood. Yeah. Yep. Which now, once that comp closes, it, it makes everybody else look better. But you also have the strategy to tell the buyer, you know what, let's push the closing back because there's another one three houses down yeah, that's pending that's, that's due to close on yeah. September 8th. So let's wait for them because then we're going to have no problem with the appraisal. The buyer wants or stroke the cap, the check, and do it now. But you need an agent if you're going to know that. And of course. So yes. that's why representing yourself is not always the, uh, yeah. it, it, well, is never really the best option, but how much you're a broker yourself? Yeah, I'd probably represent myself. See, I would <laughs> I would hire either of these guys it. to represent me. <laughs> no, because you get emotionally attached, and you couldn't represent yourself. No, I don't. You do it, but yeah, that's, it. that's just how we do it. Cross it one day. All right, so we've got your back. We're here for you. Um, just delivering content. If yeah. you um, like what you saw, yeah, like, check subscribe. us out. Check it out. Anything you want us to discuss, put it in the chat area. Yeah. Yep. And if you yep. want to chat about anything, call us. Shoot us a text. Yeah. Shoot us a here. message, Facebook message. We're here. So Absolutely. thanks for watching. Have a wonderful day, guys. And see you next time. See you.